Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Amen. Wow. So, Father God, we lift up our pastor right now. Thank you for a safe arrival in Burkina Faso. And now, God, you've got a great work for him to do there with Fire Bible and with the, the development of a new language there. Thank you for this incredible opportunity you're providing for him. We ask you for safety, protection, and you bring him back here safely, all fired up, God, to bring us more uh, great messages and more leadership. Bless him. Bless him indeed. Bless the work of Fire Bible, God. Use, continue to use it around the world to spread the power of the life-changing, the life-changing power of the word of God. We give it to you. We thank you in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Hey, if you went to camp this last week, stand. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How was it by the way? Was it good? Those are those of you out the rest that didn't go. How many of you saw the video and say, I would love to have been there. How many of you say, I didn't want to go there? Yeah, I don't want to jump off those things and go flying around and throw that. What's that pixie dust stuff? Whatever that was. Anyhow, um, congratulations. A great week of camp, life-changing experiences. Uh, and we thank you for all of your input. Again, like Pastor Scott has said, I'd like to make, make one big announcement here, one primary little comment here this morning. Uh, very, very key to our fine arts uh, uh, youth that are going to Orlando, a key, key person in the training of all of it has been Pastor Dan. And I'd like to, I don't know, I, I don't know if he's here, but come on, let's give it up for Pastor Dan. Come on. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of work and training, and uh, they were awesome this morning, and they're a great, great team that are be going down to Orlando. Uh, it's going to be exciting to hear all the results of that. What a great church we have here. Yeah, ain't it cool? Okay, I think it is. Um, Hey, I heard a great, I, I saw a great announcement this morning, guys. I was so excited. I was on my way into church this morning, and as I came, came through town, I see this sign. It was a white banner, had these red words on it. It said, opening in five days, Chick-fil-A. I mean, is that exciting? Bring on those spicy chicken deluxe sandwiches. <laughs> wow, God is good. Anyhow. <laughs> Wow, okay. Oh no, my 30 minutes already started. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, uh, I, I really feel honored to be able to share with you here this morning uh, just a few words uh, regarding some things that upon my heart uh, that uh, from our series Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 we'll be taking a look at this morning. I want to first of all take a page from Pastor Erickson's playbook. How many of you remember Pastor Erickson? Okay, <laughs> beloved pastor. And uh, 
A man and a woman had been married for more than 60 years. They had shared everything. They had talked about everything. They kept no secrets from each other except that little old woman had a shoebox on the top of her closet that she had cautioned her husband never to open and never to ask about. For all those years, he had never thought about the box. But one day, the little old woman got very sick, and the doctor said, she's not going to recover. In trying to sort out their affairs, the little old man took down the shoebox and took it to his wife's bedside. She agreed it was time that they should look into the box, and he, he could know what was there. When he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and a stack of money totaling $95,000. He asked her about the contents, and she said, Well, when we were first married, my grandmother told me the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She told me that if I ever got angry with you, that I would just crochet, be quiet and crochet a doll. The little old man was so moved, he had to fight back tears to think about two, only two precious dolls were in the box. That means she'd only been angry with me for two times in all these years of living and loving. He was almost burst with happiness. Honey, he said, that explains the dolls, but what about all this money? Where did it come from? And she said very sweetly, oh, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just leave it at that, okay? Again, in keeping with our summer series on the book of Colossians, we'll be taking a look at Colossians 3. Uh, Jeremy Sandback spoke several weeks ago uh, from chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. A tough assignment to speak a sermon on based upon four verses, but he did a fabulous job. He says, let our life reflect our theology, was his first point. Then we must continue to follow after him, pursue, pursue him, be rooted in him. And then thirdly, he said, overall, let's set our minds on things above. Let's see life through his perspective. Pretty good thoughts. So let's today look at verses 5 through 17 together. As we look at this in, in those, those verses 5 through 17, I see two key thoughts in this passage. The first one just hitchhikes on the thoughts of verses 1 through 4, talking about our new life in Christ and what are the distinctives, that old life and that new life. Then secondly, I want to close this morning with just three key ways to continue walking in that new life. And we see that passage here. Remember our theme for the book of Colossians has been, we do not need anything in addition to Christ. We just need more of Christ. Thank you for that rousing response. We do not need more, of, more than Christ. And nothing in addition. We just need more of Jesus. I think in our homes and our families, oh, there we oh, Jesus, help me. I think in our families, in our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, in our government, we just need more of Jesus, period, okay? And so I want to take a look at that distinctives of that old life in Christ, and we'll move toward that here this morning. Colossians chapter 3 again, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever brings belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk. Somebody say, used to walk. Used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self. Pause right there. These people who, who were followed the Lord's command to be baptized are doing this verse right here. They're turning from the old to the new. I love that. Life is new. New life. How did it say that again? 
Made new, yeah, I love that, made new. And on the back, on their little right-hand cheek right back here, there's a verse that says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have become new, all right? And I love that thought, and that's what we're looking at here. You've, you put off the old self with its practices and then put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The King James Version uses the word mortify. If you look that word up in the dictionary, the word mortify or put to death in the Greek language means to aggressively pursue the destruction of or the defeat of. The key word here is the word aggressive. I have a son-in-law that uh, comes to my mind when I think of the word aggressive. And by the way, it's not Brent, okay, <laughs> to some of you. It's not Brent. It's my, my other son-in-law. And... Uh, it comes quickly to mind, my son-in-law's reaction whenever there is a bee around. Because he's allergic to bee stings. And so if he'd ever get stung by a bee, it would be very harmful to him, if not fatal for him. And so he has a way of whenever he hears a bee or even thinks a bee is close, he has a way that would describe this aggressive. Okay, I'm not going to mimic it, but it's, I, I've heard it used sometimes. A kind of a, Have you ever heard the word conniption fit? Okay, I mean, he gets very, very active, and that's why he aggressively either pursues a defeat of that bee or pursues aggressively getting out of dodge. Okay, literally the fight or flight, and, that he, and he does that very well. But that's what this verse means, to aggressively not just sit back and say, well, I don't know if I should get rid of this problem or not. It means to aggress, I'm getting, just, it's just like, um, it's the reaction that Joseph had to Potiphar's wife, remember? She was trying to seduce this young man uh, that he didn't, and, but he didn't hang around. He got out of there. He aggressively abandoned this, uh, this particular approach that Potiphar's wife had. He got out of there. That should be our approach whenever it comes to these issues that we're dealing with, uh, that we see here written in the scripture in verse 5, those wicked desires of the flesh. Now, before you say, well, that's not me. I don't have anything to worry about. Yes, you do. Because those are what I would call, or what we see here, your earthly nature. Okay? It is that base or that carnal nature of man. It's my earthly nature that is down deep inside of every one of us. It's there. It became, it is summed up here in the scripture as idolatry or me first. I don't know about you guys, but there seems to be a little bit of a plague in America, maybe the world together, with a thing called, or a philosophy out there called humanism. You ever heard of that? What is humanism? Me first. I exalt me. It's all about me. We see that permeating our culture, our society today. Now, what happens when that old nature is not allowed to have its own way to all about me. What happens to that nature that's down deep inside if it has not come to grips with who Jesus Christ is and the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross to change that life? If it hasn't done that, it brings expression. What's that expression? Glad you asked. Verse 8. Okay? Look at with me. Verse 8. What happens when that old nature, again, is not allowed to have its way? Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lies. So I've got two lists, one list in verse 5, another list over here in verse 8, okay? Verse 8 is the outcropping or what happens as a result of verse or the list 1, allowed expression. So what happens when someone's carnal nature for sexual immorality is not fulfilled? Anger and rage. 
What happens when someone's carnal nature of greed is not fulfilled? It manifests in slander or malice. What about evil desires? If they're not allowed to be manifested, it comes out in filthy language or lies, or you can really put together any combination of your own that you would like to here, because I think it's very applicable. The response to both of these lists is to mortify, to put to death, to destroy, to rid yourselves. As I define this last list of wrongs, I call it more secondary. And the reason I say that is, again, they are the result of the first list. How often, and, and talk with me a little bit about this, how often do we look at the second list and deal with that second list without dealing with the first one? For instance, we, we, we use the terminology, you need, to, you need to clean up your language. That filthy language. Or you need to curb that greed. Or you need to stop all that gossip. Or here's one you've, you've maybe you've heard. You need to control your anger. Okay? We look at that, and that's a secondary because there's something else in that first list that's causing that second list to be manifested. Okay? But we deal with that second list without dealing with the first one. Okay? Those things are flowing out of that inner earthly nature. They just simply need Jesus, first of all. Can you say amen? That we just need Jesus. Are those, issues, are those issues current today? I really think so. Movies and TV shows are including more and more filthy languages out there. Anger and rage. Anyone here ever heard of road rage? Yeah. Okay. How about why all the hatred and the violence that's in the world today? It says that the primary warning sign and the primary characteristic of mass shooters, be it Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, uh, Uvalde, the primary characteristic of those, is, of those shooters was rage and anger, causing them to fly off the handle quickly. And we see that in all that. We see that today, don't we? Okay, a lot of the rage. Or how about that? Is there any greed in the world today? Can we say just a little bit? Yeah, I heard an interesting phrase recently. It said, we all live with a constant desire to have the package delivered to our door tomorrow. My wife and I went on a trip this week, and we just drove into our, our house on Saturday. And as we were driving, down, driving, we could see the front door. And my wife says, yay, Amazon's arrived. I wanted to rebuke her, you know, but I, I couldn't. She was my wife, and I just couldn't do that. But... And I thought, aha, see, greed. I want it now or I want it at least tomorrow is be there, okay? But we see that. Amazon in 2019 doubled their competition with the usage of its app for purchases. Why? I want it now. The greed. How about some practice along this line? How many of you, no, don't, don't raise your hand. Has anyone in here ever gotten mad at a crazy driver? Do you talk to those other drivers? Excuse me. Wives, do your husbands talk to... No, never mind. Why do we talk to them? Why do, why do we get in... Because they're infringing upon my territory. They're infringing upon my, my safety. And so, therefore, that base nature that is being infringed upon comes out in anger, rage, or malice. See? We do it. It's all, it we're all there. Anyone have a toddler who has thrown a temper tantrum? Hello. Why are they throwing a temper tantrum? because they're not getting their own way. Did anyone ever sulk or complain or throw a fit because you didn't get the right Christmas present or you didn't get the birthday Christmas party, excuse me, birthday gift that you wanted? 
How about coworkers who lash out at one another or maybe they get jealous because someone else received the promotion and they didn't? Or how about anyone ever had your car broken into or your car broken into and stuff stolen from it? I got back from a fishing trip one time and, and I was walking up to my truck I, or my Jeep and I looked outside my Jeep and there's all this shattered glass. I looked up to realize that somebody had broken in the back of my car, back of my Jeep and stolen my backpack and my backpack was my computer. What the, just greed, just, I've got to have this, you know, to the point of, of course, destruction. Uh, have you ever been at a sporting event when a, some parent or fan loses it on an umpire or a coach? You shouldn't answer that. I think we've all, I, I, my point here is this, we face it, it's all there, isn't it? Okay, this list number two is very prevalent out there. A key verse in this process of mortifying, putting to death now, is verse 10. And it says, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image, somebody say image here with me, image of its creator. The greater our knowledge of God, the more we will be aware of what he wants us to be. You see, the closer we get to God, the more we realize, wait a minute, here's his plan for my life. Here are areas of my life that I need to improve upon. Here's areas of my life that I need to change. We, we only can do that when we get closer to Him. That's what this verse is all about. The greater our knowledge of God, the better equipped we are to put on this new self. I hope you remember an illustration Pastor Tom used a couple months last month. He used an illustration about a car, and uh, Peter Trant bought this Canadian-built, ultra-rare 1933 McLaughlin Buick Series 80 Victoria Coupe. can hardly say that in one breath. He bought it for $300 in 1966, so it was already three decades old. In 1979, he took it apart and began the restoration process, and he finished it 33 years later. But here's what it looks like now. Ching. Not a bad transformation, wouldn't you say? How many of you would like that in your driveway? Okay, put that in your... I'm going to drive that through the next parade. Okay, yeah. It's, so it's like restoring an old car. And it's... In the field, it's nothing but a bucket of bolts. And, but you put it on a trailer and you take it to a workshop of a craftsman. And then it becomes a classic to be admired. Just putting it on the trailer, though, doesn't make it perfect, or putting it in the shop doesn't get it restored. It's when it's put in the hands of a master who has an image of what he wants to create, that's when the miracle takes place. That's when it becomes a valuable piece of work. You see, and you probably are already ahead of me here, our God is a master craftsman. And all of us are projects of his daily and maybe even hourly work on us to perfect us or according to an image that he has for us. You see, we are not only created in his image, but we are continually being transformed. Uh, Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then we see in verse er, Romans 8.28, for those God who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So we see at the very beginning, God created us at, with an image of what he wanted us to be, but in the process, he's conforming us. He's, he, he's, again, he, he's building us on purpose for a purpose, and there's a purpose in our life, and he's gradually confirming, conforming us to meet that image. He's daily, isn't there a verse out there somewhere in the Bible that says, he is the potter and I am the clay? What does that mean? 
That means every one of us are on that potter's wheel and he's shaping us and he's molding us and he's creating us and he wants what he wants us to become. There's an interesting little thought that's tucked into this dialogue and I just want to bring it out and then we'll move on to the rest of it. Interesting little thought in verse 11. It says, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, as we are putting to death, notice here, where's here? Here is in that process, that transformation, that metamorphosis that's taking place in us. It's here that we see that the old is beginning to put on the new. And the more we begin to know Christ, the more we begin to realize, wait a minute, there is no, remember that old song, red and yellow, black and white? They are precious in his sight. You see, the more mature we become in Christ, we do not see, listen to me, color, race, gender, status. Yeah. The more mature in Christ, we don't, what do we see? The more we mature we become in Christ, the more we see others as just members of the body of Christ. There's no distinction there. And I see that tucked into this little passage that in the process of our growing, our putting off the old and putting on the new, all of a sudden we don't see color. We don't see creed. We don't see social status. All we see, hey, that's a brother in Christ. You see, in this process, our identity, our identity moves from self and me first to Christ first. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. He becomes my focus. Let me dig deep, deeper into this. And we see that not only we see this, this process, we see this transformation, but we under, have to understand here, friends, that this transformation is a process. It's not a one and done. I know there's this fancy theological word out there called sanctification. But sanctification is not only instantaneous, it happens upon salvation, but it's also progressive. It happens through the process of our life. We gradually become more and more like Christ. It's not a one and done. Being a Christian is a continuing education program. Every day, it's like, again, this metamorphosis, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. He started it, now he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Just like that cocoon is becoming a beautiful monarch butterfly, we too are gradually becoming a beautiful vessel for God's glory. As you know, most of you know here, I moved here from Washington, living my whole life almost in Washington and pastored there for over 40 years. I led a church in Centralia by the name of Destiny Christian Center for 26 years and Cedar Woolley Inspire Church for six years. Each time I moved, and maybe you've experienced this too in your experiences of moving from one city to another, it's an interesting process, isn't it, of learning new zip codes learning new phone numbers, learning new addresses. You gradually learn all of these new, all of these things. How many of you still have a hard time when you move from 2021 to 2022, remembering this is 2022 and writing it on your check or writing it wherever? That's the process I'm talking about here. I had a friend in Centralia. There's a good friend of mine. His, his name was Al Bonagofsky. And Al and I did a lot of lunches and breakfasts and did a lot of stuff together. But I also have a friend here. His name is Al Versalinko. Now go ahead, ask me, how many times did I get that confused? I know, I, I do have a little bit of grace because I'm getting old, and plus, uh, again, that is kind of, their uh, names are all alike. But many times when it came to asking, remembering, hey, what was Al, what's his last name? I go, oh, oh, his last name is Bonic, I mean, Voserlinko. Okay, anybody relate to those kind of things? Yeah, 
Also, it's been a challenge, you know, sometimes I found in my prayers, oh God, I thank you today for, for Inspire Church. I mean, people's church. Transformation, changing our thinking process, and that's a whole other sermon. Or just last week, we had a ministry in Centralia called Clothes and Loaves. And that ministry there was a clothing distribution and food distribution. Just the other day, we have, of course, we have a food distribution program here at the church that's called Food Share. Right, Henry? Yep. Okay. And so just the other day, I was saying, oh, yeah, we have a food distribution plan in our church, too, and it's called, it's, it's Clothes and Loaves. Wait a minute. No, it's Food Share. Transformation. I'm just talking transformation to every one of us. This putting off the old and putting on the new is a process. Now, quickly review, and we'll close. Okay. Are you with me? Everybody still out there? Good. Verse 5 was, a, was a list number 1. That's our, uh, that we are to put to death. It's the primary causes. The secondary causes are in verse 8, that, and that happens when we don't get our own way. It's those feelings and emotions that surface when we allow the carnal to dominate. Now, if we put this together, what's the image? What's the image that, that Christ is working on in us, that, that the, the, the potter, uh, the potter squeal, what is that image? Man, I'm glad you asked that. Verse 12, okay, provides us that product, that perfectly stored, beautiful car should look like this. Look at this, look at these words, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love. That's my list number three. So instead of anger, okay, the base nature manifesting in anger, wait a minute, I'm going to put to death that anger. I'm not going to live there. I'm going to put on compassion. Instead of malice, I'm going to put on kindness. Instead of slander, I'm going to put on forbearance or, or patience. Instead of filthy language, I'm going to put on love. It comes all back to uh, that we are in the hands of a craftsman who is working on us and he's perfecting us. And here is the, here is the final product of what he's trying to work in every one of us. The key is that he has an image that we have to work in cooperation with in order to accomplish that final picture, that final product. Let's look real quick with me uh, at a Bible example here. Anyone recall the story of King Saul and King David? Okay, think about it with me. What was Saul's response to David as David was rising in popularity? Remember, the people around would say what to, to they would say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. That didn't sit well with Saul, did it? Because that Saul's base nature of greed was produced by his evil desire was manifested in anger and rage and malice as he attempted to kill David several times. What was David's response to the attacks? Listen, look at that. I mean, I think just maybe if I had been David, I think I would have followed through and killed Saul. Anybody with me there? Well, maybe not anybody. Okay. I'm just being honest, I guess. I would have liked to have killed Saul, put an end to this running. Even his friends encouraged David to kill Saul. Okay? But instead, what did David do? Instead of allowing the base nature to manifest in revenge, what David did again was what? Forbearance, forgiveness, patience, love. Even after King David. Uh, became, even when he became king, he showed incredible kindness to King Saul, his son, Mephibosheth. He continued to put on, clothe yourselves, and once again, and so how do we do this? 
Finally, in closing here this morning, how do we mortify, put to death, or rid ourselves of these things? How do we move from list one, how do we avoid list two, and instead put on list three? Verses 15, 16, and 17 really list it out. So give me a second here to talk about it, okay? 15, 16, and 17. Look at it. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think we seek very clearly here, the ball is in our court to work in cooperation with, with God, with the, with the reality of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, to work in us to give, a, to give priority to those issues. Look at him. He says, number one, let peace rule. Man, I love that. I wish I had time to elaborate on each one of these three points as we close. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. The word here for rule in the Greek means to umpire or to officiate. So in other words, it's saying, let the peace of God serve as a referee in your life so that when you are tempted to buy, sell, buy, when you're tempted to say or react or respond, when you're tempted to do that, if the Holy Spirit, that peace down there says, you know, you shouldn't act like that, then you better stop. Okay? Wait a minute. Let the peace of God rule. Let it be the referee that says, wait a minute, time out, John, time out, Paul, time out, Bill. Wait a minute, hold the phone. We need to allow that to rule. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Secondly, let praise prevail. It means worship and praise area of our life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. The word spiritual songs there means an expression of my heart. In other words, let my heart just express to the Lord in song or however, rather than anger, malice, rage. I'm, wait a minute, no, I'm going to let praise prevail. I'm going to let the peace of God prevail. I don't want to violate God's peace in me. I don't want to violate God's praise. I want to be a vessel of praise. I love 60, Isaiah 61.1. The youth sang about it beautifully this morning. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me and bestowed upon me a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Every one of us have on a garment of praise. And then lastly, is let God receive glory. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen to this little phrase. The antidote to sin is asking this question. Is it going to give glory to God? This decision, this temptation, whatever this circumstance is feeling, the emotion, wait a minute. If it's not going to give glory to God, then what? I've got to put that to death. I've got to mortify that. I've got to aggressively pursue the defeat of that. Okay? Because I want God to get the glory. The litmus test for all decisions and reactions and emotions is this. Is God going to receive glory? The song we're going to sing in just a moment here is Romans, from Romans 11.36. For from him, from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To God be the glory.
We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.